She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. You guys, I'm so excited to be doing some short clips each day with some of the health and fasting questions that you guys ask us all the time. These are going to be very short episodes answering very specific questions. Most of the time we have long episodes with one guest, but now I'm going to be answering some of your short individual questions. Enjoy. We are so excited. We are today welcoming Marissa Moon. She's going to be talking about the impacts of intermittent fasting and its effects on ADHD. So welcome, Marissa. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you became a health coach. Oh, thanks so much, Chantel. This is exciting. I'm happy to be a part of it. I became a health coach because of my own health issues that I was struggling with, like a lot of us do in this industry, right? But I had irritable bowel syndrome, so like embarrassing symptoms that I was just so frustrated with and I wanted answers to. And in a roundabout sort of way, I found um, paleo dieting and, and elimination diets that that intrigued me enough to try going gluten-free. And that was a big step for me. I mean, I'm 100% Italian, raised on pasta and bread. And I was just like, you want me to give up what? But I immediately felt the relief in my IBS symptoms. They were pretty much gone the instant that I got rid of gluten from my diet. And every time I try to cheat a little bit, I'd get those symptoms again. And so I started falling in love with nutrition in that way and ancestral health. I soon became a health coach because after blogging my recipes about being a paleo-ish type of dieter and sharing my passion for nutrition, people were asking me more and more for guidance. And I thought, wow, this could really be a career change for me. And now I'm a certified primal health coach and I host the Foundation of Wellness podcast. I teach other busy adults how to use intermittent fasting so they can boost their brain power and energy and fat loss. And it's because Intermittent fasting has been such a huge part of my life for like the past maybe five or six years. And it all started when I was looking for answers to my struggle with ADHD. I was diagnosed in my late 20s. So I immediately like became obsessed with what can I do? What kind of natural remedies are out there? And how can I help, you know, amend some of these symptoms that I'm dealing with on a daily basis? Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about when you were diagnosed with ADHD and how that really impacted you. Yeah, you know what? That's just, it's a weird juxtaposition of, of emotions that you go through with some diagnosis like this. It's like you're so glad that there is an explanation for your whole life and all of your shortcomings, I guess. But you also feel a lot of shame and just overwhelm and confusion and it's just a long road ahead but it was it was more than anything a huge relief i was um growing up like most adhd individuals um i was disorganized and overwhelmed easily emotional easily stressed out and i was a little bit impulsive you know, in school, you forget all of your homework. You forget what the teacher even said. You forget to bring the books home. You can't wake up in the morning. You can't get to class on time. You um, 
speak out without raising your hand. And just socially, this can cause a lot of issues. And for girls, it's often undiagnosed because we are just more introverted with the experience. And without hyperactivity, I should mention, I don't have the hyperactive element. ADHD is just a general classification that includes the non-hyperactive type. And when I'm talking about it today, I'll be talking about both. I have inattentive ADD. So a lot of times that can disguise itself as depression or it can be comorbid with depression. And that's really what I struggled with throughout college. I was dealing with depression and no one really connected the dots until my late 20s that it was related to my struggle with an ADHD brain. So so can you explain a little bit of the difference between when someone says ADHD and ADD? Mm-hmm. Yeah, ADD is really like the older term that we, we was generally recognized in the medical field, and it would be attention deficit disorder. And there was also attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which is the hyperactive one. Now, to make things easier, I guess, the classification is combined. So all of them are under ADHD as the acronym. And so although it's a little bit confusing, you'll hear people say ADD still. And that's because they're more like me and they don't have any hyperactive elements. But it seems to be all the same interventions that help the ADD brain without hyperactivity, it also helps people with hyperactivity. So a lot of what we're talking about today will apply to both types. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And then now, how does fasting help with mental energy and ADHD? Yeah, you well, know first, what? No, let me ask you one more question first okay, before that. Yeah. So how does how is the ADHD brain different from a neurotypical brain? Yeah, that's, that's a great place to start because there are so many differences. I mean, they're structurally different. We can see that on brain scans and imaging. And we have we're lacking blood flow in areas that a neurotypical brain has proper blood flow. And there's problems with neurotransmitter release and reuptake and neurotransmitters are things like dopamine and norepinephrine that we need to take action on things and shift our focus and attention and utilize our memory. And there are all sorts of ways that the ADHD brain is different, but those are some of the hallmarks. I mean, they're really less efficient with energy, uh, less efficient neurons and mitochondria and less efficient communication between the neurons, which is where all these struggles really come from. There's this all-encompassing sort of way to describe all of the self-management systems in the brain called executive functions. And executive functions are kind of what they sound like they would be in a business, but for your brain and for yourself and your own life. Executive functions include everything from like organizing your thoughts and things that you need to do to prioritizing tasks, getting started on tasks. Also attention, you know, sustaining attention and shifting attention and emotional regulation, stress tolerance, time management. I mean, there are so many things here that executive function is responsible for. And in the ADHD brain, it's a lot harder. It's a lot more of a deliberate experience where we need to self-manage our our own lives, whereas a neurotypical person, all of these processes are happening just 
by the nanosecond. They're just going on without us having to think about it. But in the ADHD brain, it's a little bit more labor intensive. And they don't take, like, for instance, when you're sending signals in the brain, it's usually really efficient and rapid firing, and we don't even know that's going on. But in the ADHD brain, they might have to take a detour, take a different route, something that's just less efficient and makes that struggle like really something that we can feel. And it has nothing to do with intelligence or general smarts because some of the most intelligent and successful people in the world have ADHD. It's just that our living experience and the way that our brain operates is just different. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So how does fast, what do you think fasting does to really help with mental energy and ADHD? Well, it's, it's been a big part of my life. It's my go-to. It's my favorite productivity hack and energy hack. Now that's actually how I came to try intermittent fasting. I learned about it long before I tried it, but even though it made sense to me for our health and evolutionarily, I was like, why would I do that? Why would I skip a meal? I love food. Like I really love food. So the fact that I am a, you know, someone who teaches fasting is just crazy because food is such a huge part of my life. But I finally had the courage to try it when I was just fed up with all of the failed natural remedies that I tried for my ADHD symptoms. And so I soon discovered, you know how I came about it actually? I was thinking after everything I learned about ADHD, my brain needs more blood flow. It needs more energy and more resources. But I also knew about digestion, that digestion requires a lot of energy, blood flow, and resources. And I was thinking to myself, well, gosh, every time I eat, I am prioritizing my appetite or my digestion over my brain. And my most productive time is during the day. And so why would I sabotage that by eating a big meal when I can free up blood flow and resources to the brain? And that's exactly what happened. The first time I tried intermittent fasting, I was like, hey, this feels pretty natural to me. Now, granted, I was already eating a you know, more moderated carb intake, a very nutrient-dense diet, and so it might have come easier to me than some other people, especially someone eating a standard American diet, but that was the confidence I needed to try this again and again. And I should mention that a lot of us naturally don't want to eat in the morning. And an ADHD individual might feel like mornings are really stressful. They're really hectic. I mean, just the demands of day-to-day -day life can be tough for any adult in the modern world today. But for the ADHD person, every extra decision you have to make and every source of, you know, reminding yourself that you are underperforming or that life's too hard is just going to zap your energy and performance later in the day. And so eliminating that need to make a breakfast or make a healthy breakfast or eat breakfast is actually comes naturally to a lot of us. And that's exactly what happened to me. And I was just going to say that I really didn't know that it would be that kind of reciprocity. I didn't know that that's what I would achieve. It must have just been all the parts coming together and making me think like, I've got to give this thing a try, you know? You guys, if you've been listening to my podcast, you know I've been talking about Masszymes, which is a digestive enzyme from Bioptimizers. And I want you to know that here's the thing. For me, having a digestive enzyme is a game changer because one of the biggest things that happens to me is I get really tired after my meal if I don't do it, and I have a problem with nutrient absorption. So if you could be eating the cleanest diet ever, but if you're not absorbing it, 
that's an issue. So this month, they're doing a really great special and you're going to get a free bottle of the digestive enzymes from my optimizers. And so all you have to do is pay a nominal shipping fee. That's it. No other strings attached. It's the best thing ever. So get your free bottle of digestive enzymes. It's called Masszymes. Go to masszymes.com slash wasteaway free and use the coupon code wasteaway10. That's it. So masszymes.com slash wasteaway free. Use the coupon wasteaway10. It's awesome. Awesome. Well, talk a little bit about what you do for you. In, everyone practices. And, and here's the thing. It's funny that we're talking about intermittent fasting because like several guests have said um, on the show, you know, time restricted eating is really what we should be calling it because time restricted eating is when the person is limited to either an, a six hour or an eight hour eating window. Once you go over 24 hours, that's when it's considered intermittent fasting. And then once you go longer than that, then it's considered um, prolonged fasting. So we really could say time-restricted eating. Yeah, um, we could. But um, as far as your eating window, what kind of eating window do you have and what does a daily uh, day look like for you as far as your eating and what kind of diets that you have that really benefit your ADHD? Yeah, well, I I have probably the most flexible approach to intermittent fasting than anyone I know. And that's what I teach as well. I think that we really need that. Some of us are not really uh, comfortable with too much rigidity or routine. And especially the ADHD individual is not going to feel um, attracted to something that is the same every single day. We need novelty, we need flexibility, and we need to be able to act on our impulses. And so my intermittent fasting routine is not a routine. It's just that I put off my first meal of the day until usually between 12 and maybe 3 p.m. Sometimes I go longer and I do 24-hour fast, but I really vary all the ways that I treat my fasting and how I teach my clients. Like sometimes I have bulletproof coffee, sometimes I don't. And I think if fat loss is not your main focus, then bulletproof coffee is an awesome way to extend your fast, enjoy your fast and make this into something that you can do for a lifetime, which is hugely important because more than anything, I'd love for this fasting to be something that we hold on to, this wisdom that we really honor for the rest of our lives and we can pass on for generation to generation. To treat it like a fad or like any other diet is really going to be robbing us and our future generations of all of the magic that is fasting. And really, that's what our bodies expect from us. And the things that I teach to introduce people to fasting start with a 21-day carbohydrate reduction. And it's not low-carb. It's not keto. It's just to get off of the processed foods and flour-based foods and things that are really requiring so much insulin production in the body. Because if that's how you're eating on a regular basis, your body doesn't know how to use your own body fat for energy. And 
that is really a key to longevity and optimal brain performance is when you are able to tap in and out of different types of energy, like glucose or fat or ketones in another word. And so I like to just take a really laid back approach to my time restricted eating or intermittent fasting. My window is almost always 16 to 18 hours naturally. That's what feels good to me. But in the beginning, most people need to start with 12 hours. It's way too unreasonable to assume that you can just start an intermittent fasting or time restricted eating routine that's a 16 hour fast. So start slow with 12 hours. That's actually a good way to gauge how your metabolism is metabolism is at this time because if you can't go 12 hours you really got to do the work clean up your diet reduce your sugar and carb intake because soon after doing that consecutively for usually around 21 days for most people you'll find that stretching that window and adding a couple hours is so much easier and if you eat a nutrient-dense diet outside of the fasting window, you're going to be able to extend that fast more and more and more, and you're really going to be able to see what you're capable of. Awesome. Um, so is there, I know gluten is kind of a big thing for you that you're like, this is an absolute no, but anything else that you've said that kind of like, when I eat this, I feel like my ADHD isn't, you know, kind of acting up mm -hmm. when I have this particular thing or this particular item in your diet. Yeah, you know, anytime that I increase my carb intake um, to make a lot of exceptions, like right now is the perfect time of year to talk about this because it's been Christmas and Thanksgiving. So I've had gluten-free stuffing, gluten-free lasagna, and I've had leftovers in my fridge. And I notice if I eat that every day or at more than one meal per day, my brain is totally distracted and wanting more of that as soon as possible. I mean, that was my whole life before I found this world of ancestral health. I just could not wait to eat any second I had the chance. And that's all I was thinking about was food. I mean, how freeing is it to not be craving and and just feel out of control with your appetite? That to me was just the biggest payoff. And I think that... When I stop eating so many carbs, I can just eat it the next day and then I could take a day off. I can eat it the next day and I could take a day off. And that's this metabolic flexibility that I think is so hugely important and trending right now in our world, thanks to Mark Sisson. And without that, you feel like you're getting off the wagon. You got to get back on again. I mean, I can't tell you how many of my clients tell me they need help getting back on the wagon. And I'm like, okay, what if we got rid of the wagon altogether? And your whole life was just, uh, your identity was now shaped in a way around food that you never imagined possible for you. You can make that exception. You can eat breakfast one day and you can skip it the next. You can have the gluten-free stuffing two days in a row and then fast for 24 hours the next day. I mean, how cool is that? For me, that was just a huge breakthrough. And I notice it every time now. If I make too many exceptions with my carbohydrates, I got to self-manage and say, hey, what's most important to you right now. And if your productivity and brain power is most important, you got to optimize your energy usage. I mean, the ADHD brain already utilizes energy poorly compared to the neurotypical brain. It has less energy to start with. Research shows that the ADHD brain has reduced glucose uptake, which means we're not able to utilize the glucose and like we need them in our brain cells. And the, the brain is also an ADHD person draining energy like really quickly, really easily, because 
unconsciously, we're trying to drown out distractions in our environment, like sounds, uh, harsh lighting, uh, devices, and, and movement in our environment, where a neurotypical person doesn't have to think about these things. Your brain just does it for you. And so we zap energy like really quickly. So optimizing your energy resources and availability is hugely important. That's where that blood flow you know, idea came from. But also, we got to think about that with our food sources. We think of food like energy, but it really depends on your metabolism, and it depends on the type of energy you're providing. I mean, the brain just loves ketones for energy. And ketones are naturally produced in your body when you start fasting. It's an awesome payoff because if an ADHD person tries to do a keto diet, they're going to get immediate rewards from that, but it's going to be hard to sustain. That is a restrictive diet that takes a lot of, you know, regimented eating and planning to execute or resisting urges and impulses. And so I think that intermittent fasting is a great way to achieve a lot of those ketones for the brain power and maximize energy in the brain without having to do a keto diet. Yeah, I I love your approach of listening to your body and not being too rigid. I'm the exact same way. I do not do well. Like if you tell me do not do this besides gluten, I, I, I have gluten. If I do have gluten, like I might have a slice of Ezekiel bread, but it's very, very rare that you see me eating gluten and I don't feel good as soon as I eat it. Every once in a while, if I do eat it, I have some digestive enzymes and some yeah. um, HCL um, pepsin that I have my own product line that if I do eat it, I'll take those and it won't be so terrible. But for the most part, I'm the same way. Like I really try to avoid gluten because I know I don't feel good when I have it. Um, but I'm, most days I eat in a six hour eating window. Once a week, I might eat in an eight hour window. Most times I don't eat breakfast. Almost every day I don't have breakfast. Every once in a while, I might say today I want breakfast and I'll just have breakfast and lunch and I won't eat dinner. Um, but I just, I, I want to kind of see what's going on and, you know, feel how I'm feeling. And I just really listen to my body and seeing how I'm feeling and not being too rigid. So I just, I love that approach that you have. Yes, we are like, this is exactly what I'm talking about. How freeing is that? I mean, woman to woman, this is something that a lot of women in our lives still have not yet been able to experience. And even though this is a diet we're talking about, this is hugely fundamental as a part of our human experience. Food has never been so readily available, accessible, and plentiful like it is today. And so we've never had to practice restriction to optimize our body. I mean, intermittent fasting is something, or time-restricted eating, they're both what our body expects from us on a genetic and cellular level. Without that, we're not pushing the body to adapt and to regenerate and to become stronger or smarter. Like that's literally what's happening. We know that it's very similar to the effects of exercise. That's one of the reasons that it makes so much sense to try intermittent fasting for ADHD. Exercise is a proven therapy for the ADHD brain. It's a proven therapy for anyone's brain, but it's incredible how much it can reduce our symptoms with ADHD. And why is that? Well, we know exercise and intermittent fasting both help increase BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which helps us grow new brain cells. That's called neurogenesis. And it also helps us generate new mitochondria and boost autophagy. I mean, autophagy, everyone's probably hearing about on this summit because it's so hugely important. It's our body's like recycling system. How can we 
break down old junky cells that we don't need anymore, or aren't functioning properly, or are taking too much energy to maintain and use the components that are useful from those cells to feed better, bigger, stronger cells. So we get that from exercise. We also boost norepinephrine and we boost blood flow, all of these things that the brain really needs, especially in the cases of ADHD. So it's a no brainer because people with ADHD want to exercise, but they can't make themselves do it. They don't stick to routines very well. And great if you do, great if you can do both. But I think that this is an awesome way for people to tap into those same benefits and to feel and notice a real difference. I can speak from personal experience. That's the case. Yeah. And in my book, I talk about only eating the foods that you absolutely love. So like if you're going to rate a food, you're eating it. If you give it a five stars, eat it. If you're giving it a four stars, eat it. But anything less than four stars, you're not even putting in your mouth. And and even though I'm eating healthy foods that I think are great, um, if it's healthy and I don't like it, like I made myself... I made myself a smoothie this morning that I normally love, but I think the spinach wasn't like that uh, good. Like I had it at like a 12 o'clock today and I don't for, you know, like the spinach just didn't taste that good. And I like tasted it and I was like, mm, I don't love it. It's not five stars. I'm not eating it. I don't mm-hmm. care how good it is for me. I, if I love it, I'll eat it. Um, but I've, found ways. And that's really the key is finding things. Just keep trying different things until you find food that make you feel good, Mm. but you also are giving it five stars. Oh yeah. That's awesome. I love that approach. Yeah. And if you think about it, we don't really notice these patterns with any other diet because we're so worried about all the rules and we got to be careful in the fasting world because there's plenty of rules in this world too. And I like to tell people, hey, if you have, did you know the science shows that the fasting mimicking diet helps boost the brain and, and reduce mental, you know, disorders? I mean, even if we're eating something, the fasting mimicking diet is like a reduced calorie intake in a short um, few days of the month. And it's proven by science to, to still give us a lot of the same benefits as fasting. So I like to remind people of that because if they have a bite or something, for instance, a client messaged me, I'm at the grocery store and I had a sample. Oh no, I screwed up my fasting. And I told them, please don't worry about things like that because you have to learn how to make this work for your day-to-day life. And that includes, Chantel, if you're eating something, you're like, it doesn't really taste that great. Or say you're at the airport, you're traveling for work and you're like, all they have is crap and I'm not going to do that to myself right now. So you just spontaneously start fasting. I mean- That is really awesome. And even someone who wants to eat, but they don't want to bog down their body with digestion in the middle of the day. This is what I do a lot. I'll break my fast with like a small portion of my meal. Like I say, I brought a stew to work. I won't eat the whole stew at one time. I'll have like half of it. And then two hours later, I'll have the other half. And then when I get home, I'll eat a small dinner and that's all I eat the whole day. And I'm full. Like there is no like conscious restriction here. I'm eating as much as I want to eat. And I am literally full. It's just the longer you do this, the better your body is at creating energy and optimizing energy. And it doesn't need as much food, which is really miraculous if you knew me 10 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because one of my friends, she was Miss Virginia, and she's got like a gorgeous body. And the two of us, I had made this delicious salad with this homemade dressing with tons of greens and cilantro and basil. Mm. And I had gotten a plate and I made her a plate and we both got a plate and I was like, 
I'm, I was thinking about going to get a little bit more. And she, so she ate her plate. I ate mine. It wasn't that big. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go get some more. I was like, do you want some? She's like, no, I'm full. And then I was like, you know what? I'm full too. <laughs> yes. Sometimes we don't even think about it because it tastes good. Uh, so if someone has tried intermittent fasting in the past and it just didn't work for them, and I, I actually know people who are like, they've tried it and they're like, no, it didn't work. And then they, they tried it again and it did work. So do you mm -hmm. think people, if they didn't work before, they should try it again? And what would they do differently this next time? Oh, yeah. That's a great question. Well, I think that everyone can do some type of time-restricted eating or intermittent fasting when they start with 12 hours. If we can just accept that as fasting, I mean, this is 2020. People were not going 12 hours without food for a very long time. So that is a huge improvement. So anybody can do that and I highly recommend it. Now, I also think without optimizing your diet, without increasing nutrient density and cutting out so many of those processed carbs. Now, I'm not saying you have to eat a low-carb diet. Again, this is like, hey, if you have three meals a day that are, you know, eaten between two slices of bread or over a bowl of rice or with pasta, try and see if you can make two of those meals without those. That means you're having vegetables and meat and healthy fats in a bowl, like a salad, or you're just eating something that would normally be in a sandwich just without the bread. And that already is going to prime your metabolism to learn how to use your stored body fat and fasting is going to come so much easier for you. And it also depends on so many things in our life. Like if you are really anxious on a day-to-day -day basis, your anxiety is really controlling your life. Just remember that fasting is a type of stressor. That's why all these adaptive processes happen in the body because it's a stress-like exercise that makes your body think, well, hey, if that's going to happen again or if I'm going to go without food much longer, I better be ready to find food. I'm going to grow new brain cells so that you're smarter and you can get your hands on some. And if someone is underslept, again, two stressors here that the body might not be able to manage. And if you're a female, you're experiencing, you're, you're in your reproductive years and you have your menstrual cycle, you're probably going to find fasting a little bit more difficult in the weeks surrounding your cycle. Or even when you're ovulating, you might have more cravings. I say take it easy on yourself. Don't push it too hard because you want your, your body to continue on with processes as usual while you're just kind of testing out the waters and pushing it whenever you can. But you push it too hard, you're going to notice differences in your menstrual cycle and that's not what you want. Now, there are people who have depression who have reduced appetite. And I think that's really like a signal from your body, some kind of instinct telling you like, hey, if, if you don't eat, that's going to help boost neurogenesis. And the depressed brain is, is really lacking in new brain cell growth. And so that's hugely important. In fact, they think a lot of antidepressants like SSRIs might be making such a dramatic difference for the depressed person because they boost neurogenesis. And so... Everyone might be slightly different. If it didn't work for you in the past, it might have just been your circumstances at that time, but it also might have been because you're pushing yourself too hard or too fast or because you didn't optimize your diet. I'm never going to be in the camp that says, oh, you can just do OMAD one meal a day and you can eat um, an extra large pizza in your eating window and have ice cream because you're fasting for 22 hours a day. Like that's definitely not what you want. You're going to be just cleaning up the mess you made every time you're fasting. And, and really, it's going to make fasting harder. It's going to be a constant struggle and require willpower. The type of fasting that I do and that I teach does not require willpower once you get in the swing of things.
All right. And last question. If everyone listening could start with just one thing from our conversation today, where would you recommend they start? Like if you said, you know, this is super important. I want you to focus on this. Well, again, it's really the same answer as the last question. I think everyone needs to start with a 12-hour overnight fast. And if that's too hard for you, I I really suggest you do the 21-day carb reduction. You're going to try and keep your daily carbohydrate intake under 130 grams of carbs per day. That's net carbs or or, um, total carbs. And that will help you Learn how to use ketones for energy so that when you're fasting, it becomes easier and easier. You can use the Zero Fasting Tracker app so you can find out how many hours you've gone and slowly increase it, 12, 13, 14. Work your way up to find your sweet spot between 16 to 18-hour daily fasts, and that's when you really know that you've found a rhythm that works. And anybody can learn my approach in the free guide that I've created. It's um, based off of my method called the reset method. And it's an acronym to reduce carbs, eat nourishing foods, start with 12 hours and extend your fast and trust your instincts. And so anyone can grab that at marisamoon.com slash IF freedom. It's free to download. So that's a great place to start. Awesome. And where can people follow you if they want to follow you on any of your social media? Well, thanks for asking. And I'm on Instagram at Marisa underscore moon underscore and on Facebook, Marisa Moon Wellness. And marisamoon.com is my site. I hope you guys will listen to my podcast. It's the Foundation of Wellness. And I have a Facebook group called the Foundation of Wellness. Anyone's welcome to join. So thanks for having me here. I really appreciate it. Well, that was amazing. Thank you so much. You're making a big impact in people's lives. And everyone else, you stay tuned because we've got another episode coming up in just a minute. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.